songs and let's get dressed. It's Somewhat Happy Hour with Josh Fest. Welcome to the Somewhat Happy Hour. Uh, today's guest is Broadway's Brad Bass. It's Bass, yes? Yeah. Okay. It sure um, Who uh, was in the companies of Wicked in Chicago and in New York, in the original Broadway cast of Memphis, and was in Jersey Boys. Now he is a teacher at the Weber School and the Orbit Arts Academy. I welcome Brad Bass. Hi, Brad. Welcome. Oh, hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, so this is, at, I call it the somewhat happy hour. Uh, it's not always one that uh, involves a drink. Um, right now I have water next to me. Uh but uh, I raise I raise my water jug uh, as a cheers to you, and thank you for for being here on the show today. Well, sh- we should have planned cocktails. I've got a whole bar right back there. Oh, we'll have to have you come back then. It's a sign. Deal. <laughs> um, so tell me uh, about yourself. You grew up in Virginia, yes? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Out in Danville, Virginia. Yeah, I actually grew up in Ringgold, Virginia, which is the county version okay. of the city. City was Danville, but I grew up in Ringgold. I do know where that. I have family that live out in uh, uh, Roanoke, Radford, all all throughout there. Pulaski County is you know where my my family is from. So these little towns that are all the way up on the mountains and and yeah, we're like right below that. I'm in Pennsylvania County, but that's not far at all. Yeah, uh, that's really neat. Um, so uh, so just tell me about yourself. Tell me tell me about you. Oh God, I'm horrible at talking about me. Um, what do you want? What do you want to know? Let's see. Um, so, well, started off as a poor, poor boy on a farm. Like yeah, right let's there. let's start there. You grew up on a tobacco farm. Tell me about that. I grew up on a tobacco farm. Um, well, you know, I I grew up on a tobacco farm. I lived there for 18 years. My dad is still a tobacco farmer to this day. It's hard to believe people still smoke cigarettes, but it's true. Um, I have one every once in a while, but don't tell anybody that. I'm sure people are going to hear that now. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I I grew up in like literally in the middle of the woods. I We had cows. We had chickens. We had pigs. Um, I pulled tobacco. I played in the creek all summer. I didn't wear shoes. You know what I mean? I, I was a true farm boy, like country farm kid. And you know, it was so fun as a kid, but the older I got, the more I was like, I want to get out of here. I want to go to the city. I, I want to be able to go be me, you know, and because um, it was quite stifling being a young gay kid on a tobacco farm in Virginia who couldn't express himself. And all he wanted to do was do musical theater. And no one even knew what that meant. Was that there anything close by that had theater? I know the Barter Theater. Is that? Yeah, the bar- Barter is out is that hours away yeah. from where I grew up? Okay, okay, okay. Um, did you grow up doing any shows in like elementary school, church, anything like that? Yeah, so um, I always loved plays. Like my whole life, I loved, especially as a kid. Anytime I got to be in the church play, I always wanted to be in the church play. And I grew up singing in church, so that's how I learned how to sing. Um, yeah, I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, a lot. And, um, and, but like, there was no theater, there was no real theater where I was from. There was like the little theater in Danville, but those were all older people. Okay. And, um, no, I did. I remember the very first play I was in, it was a play about 
the holidays of the United States, and I had Valentine's Day, and I still remember what I had to say. You want me to say it, it yeah, for can you? Can we get it, please? Um, I got a Valentine from Timmy, Jimmy, Tilly, Billy, Nikki, Mickey, Ricky, Vicky, Laura, Nora, Cora, Flora, Donnie, Ronnie, Lonnie, Connie. Eva even sent me two, but I didn't get any from you. That was my. I love that, that. Wow, what a, what a great first line ever. Uh, you know, you know, lots of words. Great. Very proud. Yeah. You yeah. Um, so, uh, but did you get the chance to go see any theater growing up? Because DC is quite know, far from you. And then yeah. I guess the next thing would be what, maybe somewhere in Pennsylvania? Yeah, well, in like Greensboro, North, North Carolina, and like um, Raleigh, North Carolina was kind of close. But my family was not the, they were not the kind of people that went to see the theater. Okay. Do you understand? It was like not, they didn't even understand it. But I do remember, um, I don't know, I think someone gave my mom tickets to this traveling production of The Wizard of Oz. And The Wizard of Oz is my favorite movie of all time. It can't be beat, in my opinion. Um, and and it was at like the middle school in, in Danville. And I went to see it. And and I was fascinated because she didn't have ruby slippers. She had silver slippers. And I was like, what is this madness? I don't understand. Silver slippers? But it was so cool because I was like, how are they going to do the munchkins? How are they going to do the munchkins? Unless they, they have a lot of little people. And it, it was a really cool production because they sat on rolling stools in their costumes, like hung down. And so they kind of rolled around on these stools and it totally worked. But that was the first like theater thing I remember going to see. And the next thing that I saw, I was in, so my high school went from eighth to 12th grade. Um, so I was in eighth grade and I was in band and I played the trumpet. And, um, and so for spring break, the band was going to New York City to, you know, you do those trips, right? Like you, the band goes to New York, you see like shows, you go shopping. But um, I'd never been to New York, didn't want to go. I was a country boy, remember? You know, I, I played in the creek. But um, so I had to go to New York and we were going to play, I think, at um, Statue of Liberty. The band was just going to go play there or something. And part of the trip was that we were going to go see something on Broadway. Now, I had no idea what that meant. OK, I had no idea what the word Broadway meant. And I found out that we were going to go see this French movie called Les Miserables. Like, that's what it was. <laughs> and, I'm up. And, and I thought it was a movie. But I, I was, it was so weird because they were they told us we had to get dressed up to go. And, and then when you got there, I saw the movie screen. It had, like, Cosette's yeah. face on it. And then... And then, like, I heard the music kick in and the lights went down and the movie screen went up. And I was like, what is happening? And it was a play. But it was a play with music. And I was like, oh, no, is this an opera? I don't want to see an opera. <laughs> and I kid you not, like, by the end, I was so – I had no clue what was happening really in the story. I was, like, trying to figure it out. But I was so mesmerized by the end of it that I, like, came home and I remember – I like begged my granny. I was like, please, I want you to go buy me this double CD cassette. It's too expensive. I, I can't afford it. You know, and she bought me Les Mis and I like proceeded to listen to it over and over and over again and kind of really learn what the story was about. And it was so like moving to me that I was like, I want to be on Broadway. Like, I think that's what I want to do. 
So that was real. I went from like being in the school play, being in the church play, seeing the Wizard of Oz to that, and that changed my life. Right. I love that. Do you uh, <laughs> do you remember anyone who was in uh, that cast when you saw Les Mis? Yes. Do you know yeah, any yes. of those people now? Yes. Isn't that crazy? I, oh, I, I'm obsessed with that. Okay, so the coolest thing was when I went to see Les Miserables, I was obsessed with the woman that played Eponine. I, and I was, you know, I was in eighth grade, so I was like struggling with my sexuality, but I thought she was so pretty and she was so talented. And um, her name is Sarah Uriarty. And her name is now Sarah Uriarty Berry. She's married to Michael Berry. I was obsessed with her for years, Josh. I like followed everything that she did. Um, and... <clears throat> Cut to years later, I'm taking my son to his school in New Jersey. Um, I was living in, um, he's my stepson, but he's my son, in New Jersey. So I'm taking him and I'm talking to this woman who is hugely pregnant with twins. And we just hit it off right, right away. And she's like, my name is Sarah. And I was like, my name is Brad. And then I was like, oh, and I couldn't tell her. I was like so embarrassed because I was going to think I'm a stalker. But her daughter and my son were in the same class. And so we kept, we kept seeing each other and talking. And then this one day, um, I was like, how are you doing? And she just cried. And I hugged her. And she was like, I'm hurting. I'm tired. I want these babies out. I'm so emotional. And I was like, well, do you want to laugh? I'll tell you a funny story. And I told her how I was obsessed with her. And she became like quite good friends of ours. And um, we opened an Orbit Performing Arts Academy in Daytona, Florida with some friends, and we asked her if she would come down and sing at this concert, and she did. And I got to introduce her, and she sang on my own. She sang on my own for everybody. It was, like, so cool. But not only her, Andrea McArdle was also in that show. She was Fontaine. And I've since, like, she's come down here for Orbit and done stuff with us and hung out with her a few times. She's, she's a riot. Um, so yeah, it's kind of crazy. I to love like, the full circle and, you know, just crazy how the world works, you know? Yeah. That, yeah. It's actually small. It's a small little world. Right. Um, that's, I'm obsessed with the fact that that's how you guys ended up meeting. Isn't that great? That's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's talk your big jump from, uh, Virginia to New York city. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you studied at AMDA. I did. Okay. Uh, so tell, tell me about that experience. So I knew very early on in high school that I did not want to go to college. I didn't like school. My, I was utterly consumed with theater. It was what I ate and breathed and slept. And that's, if you, I know we don't know each other really well, but like when I love something, I am a million percent into it. I'm not like kind of into it or I dabble. I'm like in it to win it. I was like that with tumbling. Like I wanted to be a gymnast, but I started too late. But I was obsessed and I taught myself how to tumble because I got a VCR and I had slow motion on it. And I would study what they would do. And then I would just go in my yard and do it. And I taught myself how to tumble. So like when I love something, I... I go all in and I knew that I didn't want to go to college and study science and math and all that crap because it just did not interest me. It's not what I wanted to do. And one day in the band room at my high school, um, so there's like the whole band room and then the band director's office and on her office door was this little thing with like 
I guess essentially post-it notes, but they you could like rip it off and take it. And it was like the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. And it's it said, you know, sing, act, dance or something like that. And I was like, I've never heard of this place. And so back then we didn't have the internet. So I had to like mail this thing off and say I wanted information about it. And they sent it to me. And when they sent it to me, I was like, oh, my God, this is what I want. I want to go to a school where all I do is sing and act and dance all day long with people like me. And so I decided, I was like, I'm going to that school. And so when I was 17, I flew to New York by myself, went to the audition by myself, auditioned. And I knew this the second I walked out of the audition room, I knew I got in. I knew it. Um, I just felt it like in my soul, you know what I mean? And it wasn't too long later, they called me and they gave me a really nice scholarship they were like, we want you to come to New York. And I, I remember go, when I got that phone call, I ran up to my father, my dog. Um, I ran up to my father, who's a very, very country man, and he's an incredible person, but like, we, we couldn't be more opposite, you know? And I said, Daddy, Daddy, you're never going to believe it. I, I got into AMDA. I got into AMDA. Like, I, I did it. And he said, if you move to New York, I'll never have a son. And he turned around and walked away. So I didn't go. I had vowed never to go to community college, but I signed up for classes at community college for that fall. And I was like flunking all of them because I was so, I just didn't want to be there. I wanted to go be somewhere where I could be myself, where I could do what I wanted. And um, I, I was starting the spring semester uh, even though I had, fl- I think, I think I actually passed the classes, but like with a D or something. Um, and I just thought, well, I'll just do the spring semester and then I'll transfer to a different college, you know? And January 31st, um, my, the phone rang in my house and I picked it up and it was someone from Amda and they were like, hi, Brad. Um, we're just checking in. The spring semester starts in 10 days and we would really love for you to come join us if you can, because... We would love to have you here. And I said, I, I appreciate that, but I'm just going to have to re-audition. Because you could, you could put it off for like a year, but then you'd have to re-audition to get back in. Um, I said, you know, my, my parents just aren't ready for me to do that. And um, so I'll, I'll be in touch later. And I hung up the phone, didn't think about it. And my mom came to my room and she said, who was that on the phone? I guess she heard me talking. I said, it was Amda. You know, they wanted me to come to school, but I told them I couldn't. Uh, whatever. And she walked away and then... It might have been my mom and my dad, I don't remember, but they came back about a half an hour later and opened my door and they said, if you want to go, let's go. And at that point, I was like, wait, 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 wait. I can't, you know, when you when you prepare to go to, away to school anywhere, you have all summer to prepare for it. You're buying your things. And, um, and I was also, like, I had my first boyfriend at the time, of course, secretly. And I thought, how am I going to, even though he was at Virginia Tech, like, I wanted to be near him, but I kept, like, tossing and turning with, like, you know, these are my dreams. They want me to go. They didn't want me to go. But what about Terrence, my boyfriend? Like, all these things. And I remember um, this is, I mean, some people are going to say this is silly, but, like, this is a really monumental thing that happened to me. Um, I'm very spiritual. And I remember I was praying and I was like, okay, you have to help me because I don't know what to do. And I... I'm not the kind of person that's like, if, if it's meant to be, let the light. Like, I'm not like that. But 
I was like, you, you have to give me a sign to know if I should go. Because I was really conflicted. And I was driving home in my car. And I, every time I had heard that song, in the arms of the angel, every time I heard it, I would turn it off. Because I didn't, sorry, Sarah McLaughlin, but I didn't like your voice. And, um, and this one day I'm riding in my car and I was like, you should listen to this song. Give her a chance. And it said everything that I needed, like fly away from, like it makes me cry to think about it. It, I knew after I heard that song, I was like, that's my sign. And I walked into the kitchen. My mom was cooking and I was like, I'm going to go. So in a matter of days, we packed up my room and I kid you not, Josh, I like my room was my pride and joy. It was like a mini Times Square. It had like all these Broadway posters. Um, I said goodbye to my room and I went, got in the car and I was ready to go. And we were driving me to New York. And as we pulled out of my driveway, that song came on the radio. <laughs> I was like, what? And I lost my mind and I'm sobbing. And, and I, my mom was like, what's wrong? You can come back and visit. Don't worry. I was like, no, that's the song. I told you about a song. That's the song. Like, why would that happen? You know? So I've liked Sarah McLaughlin ever since. <laughs> you, she has since uh, won you over, I suppose. Yeah. I yeah. love that. You're crazy. That, I'm, obs- I'm obsessed with just everything that's happened to you. Uh, so from, so you studied it. How long were you at uh, AMDA for? So that was 1999. Oh God. Um, and back then it was just a certificate program. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to go train and get out and try to work as an actor. I didn't care about degrees. Um, and it, so it was the perfect place for me. And it was a two year program, but most people did like the fall and the spring, took the summer off, came back and did the fall and the spring. Well, not me. I was like, I'm rolling through this shit. I'm, can I curse on this? Yes, absolutely. I have a filthy mouth. Filthy fucking mouth. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I just wanted to do spring, summer, fall, spring. Because I, be, I wanted to try to work as an actor. So I did it in, in like a year and a half-ish. Um, yeah, and I, you know... People have given AMDA shit for so many years. It was the best training I have ever received. I would go back again tomorrow if it made any sense for me to. I have sent multiple people there. Um, they they gave me all the tools I needed to be a successful performer in this business. And I am I'm, I'm indebted to them. And in fact, um, last semester, I was maybe going to teach for them virtually. And it ended up not working out. And that I was really excited to do that. Because I'm in Atlanta, but I just to teach for them meant so much to me. Because the philosophy of everything that I do comes from what I learned. Yeah, there. That's that was going to be my next question: is have have you ever considered teaching for them? And now that you've had that opportunity, is that something you would do? Uh, if I'm, I'm not even joking, you, my dream job would be to be a musical theater teacher at AMDA. That would be my AMDA. Are you listening to me? Listen. Um. You know, but I would want to be in the room and I just don't live in New York. Anymore, sure. You know, but it, if I was ever given that opportunity, it, it really is a dream job because I love and I, we get to do it at Orbit Arts Academy here. I mean, we this is what we do. We based Orbit. So the co-founders are my husband, Tony Galdi and Chris Hall, who I went to AMDA with, by the way. So we and he was one semester ahead of me, which is so funny. But we weren't really friends then. Like we knew each other. Um, but we, we run orbit the same way that AMDA runs, you know, it's a training facility. 
and and it's about the work. It's not about the trophies. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's not really about the trophies in the theater business. And if that's what you're going for, you need to go be on a kitty league softball team or something. 100%. You know? Uh, and so so you were at AMDA for a year and a half. And I respect the hustle. I did the same thing when I was in college. I wanted to get in and get out. Um, Where did you go? I went to George Mason University. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Right in, the, in, in northern Virginia. Um, Been there. Uh, so how how – were you getting uh, jobs right out of school? Did you have something? Uh, did you go back to Virginia at all? Hell no. I wasn't going back to Virginia. I was like, <laughs> let's finish this. I'm going to be on Broadway. Um, no, I did. Uh, before I graduated, I had booked my first uh, gig. And I my first gig was the um, <laughs> blanking, total brain fart. Um, oh, my God. This happens to me sometimes now that I'm getting older. Oh, my Lord. It's on Long Island. The Gateway Playhouse. Okay. Um, Gateway Playhouse, it, it was they hired six men and six women to be the ensemble of six shows for the summer. Wow. And gave us all our equity cards at the end, the option of taking your equity card. And um, that summer, I didn't do the first show because I was still in school, which was Pippin. But my first professional show was The Best Little Horror House in Texas. Uh, we did Best Little Horror House in Texas, the world premiere of a show called Yankee Doodle Dandy. We did South, South Pacific, I think. We did Big the Musical. Ah, Big the Musical is such a good show. I like, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Yeah. And then we did the Will Rogers Follies. And then we took the Will Rogers Follies on tour for three months. Wow. So that was like my first like foray into the business. And it was literally like the best adult naughty summer camp ever yeah like every friday they had a party room they bought a keg of beer everyone was i hope i can say this smoked a lot of pot it was just like so cool to be like 20 and like working with broadway actors and other people my age and really doing what i had always wanted to do you know so yeah i started working and and you know and shout out to anybody that's listening well not shout out but listen up everybody that's listening i think it's really important i was a very hard worker in school and i'm most would say i'm easy to work with i think um and and that's a that's a really important thing because my first jobs out of school i worked with some of the people that taught me at amda so for the first two years of my career i didn't really audition much they kept being like i'm doing the show do you want to be in it so that's kind of what happened. I, I did audition for Gateway, but my director was my musical theater teacher from Amber. So Philip George. That's yeah. real nice. I like that's that's a great way to get your start. Honestly, you know, just be a nice person. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Be a nice person. I I have literally this sign in 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 my living room. This huge thing that says "Work hard and be nice to people." I we need to live by that. Seriously, period. Everybody. Yeah. Uh, so, so you did that, and then how long uh, till you were involved in what would become the musical sensation Wicked? Oh, um, okay. So, I graduated. So this is so typically me. Okay, welcome to knowing me, Josh. Like I get, I'm never satisfied with anything. Like I once I get what I want, I'm like, Ugh, what do I want now? Um, which will lead me to Wicked one second but i i decided not to take my equity card after that run 
because I knew that I wanted to get some roles on my resume before I took my equity card. That was just my journey and what I wanted to do. So after I had worked for about a year and a half, like hardcore, I was like, I just really need a break from all of this. Um, so my roommate and best friend, Brianna Duvall, who I'm seeing this weekend in New York, actually, um, we decided we're going to go to Sacramento, California, where she's from, and put on our own production of Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, out there. So that's what we did. We went and lived with her family for the summer, cast all of her friends. I directed it and choreographed it, and we put on Your Good Man, Charlie Brown. I played Schroeder and directed it and all that stuff. But we were out there when 9-11 happened. So that that's a it's just a, it was an incredible summer, but it was it like was capped by that moment. Um, so I did that through 2001, and then came back and started doing more regional gigs here and there. Um, I worked in Maine, and then I started working in Boston a lot because my boyfriend at the time we he wanted to move back to Boston, so I moved with him and was working a lot there. Got my equity card, doing a play there, which I never imagined in my life I would get my equity card not singing, you know. Um, and I was doing Kiss of the Spider Woman at, I can't remember the theater there, professional theater. And me and the chorus boys, like, we we all kikied together and had fun. And one of them walked in and was like, did you see backstage? Because back then, you know, it was, a, it was a paper that came out every week. They're looking for a Fiero cover and a replacement in the Chicago Company of Wicked. And I was like, What? I've sang that role in my bedroom thousands of times, you know. Um, and I was like, when is it? And I found out that it was like I had the days off built built into our schedule. And I was like, I'm going to New York. And I didn't have a car. So I like got on a bus and went to this open call for Wicked. I didn't have an agent or anything. And there were like 600 guys there. Wow. And Yeah. And I thought, whatever, I just want to get a call back. And I walked in the room. I don't remember who the casting was, Bernard Telsey casting, but I don't remember who was behind the table. And and I thought I did really well on my audition. And then he was like, thank you. And I was like, like, I came all this way. So I went home and I was doing Kiss the Spider Woman for $99 a week, by the way. Um, shout out to working equity actors. And I was also teaching at one of those little... Um, those little places, those little tumbling places for like little kids. And I was teaching them how to do flips. And, and I, after the audition, I went back, I was teaching two weeks later, I'm helping some girls do cartwheels or whatever. And I checked my phone and I had a callback for wicked. And I like, I remember doing backflips all over the gym. Cause I was like, Oh my God. I mean, it's like the biggest blockbuster ever, you know, plus what's my favorite movie. Wizard of Oz. So I was like losing my mind. So I I worked on my stuff and the day before my audition, like I had to get back to New York the day before my audition, I had a huge sinus infection, which sucked. Yeah, of course. Um, but I went in and did my thing and there was this woman with all this curly hair, she just talked really fast and she kept giving me notes and would come out of the room and say, I want you to do it like this. And I didn't know it was Joe Mantello's assistant director i had no idea and i i kept going they kept bringing me in getting me to read getting me to read and then they said we want to vocalize you and i was like fine and so they vocalized me all the way up to a high c and i cracked and i remember hitting the piano with my fist like oh like oh i can't believe i did that because i had always been told don't tell them you're sick don't tell them you're sick right. and 
And they were like, calm down. It's fine. We know you can hit that note. And I was like, okay, I didn't, I'm not supposed to tell you, but like, I'm sick. I have sinus infection. They were like, it's fine. I felt like it went well. Went to my apartment in New York that night. I'm sitting in the corner of my couch, ringling a ling. Can you come back Friday to the Gershwin Theater for a final callback? And diarrhea all over the couch. I'm just, I'm not I'm kidding. I was like, oh my God. And not only am I going to a final callback for this, it's at the Gershwin Theater in their rehearsal space upstairs. So I was pumped. And I, had, I talked myself into, I was like, look, there were 600 guys there. You got a callback. And now you're going to the final callback. This is huge. It doesn't mean you're going to get it. But like you're one of 600 that's invited to this. That's, that's the way you have to think about things. If you've been invited there, you deserve to be there. And that alone is enough. It doesn't pay the bills, but it's enough. Um, so I was super excited. And I thought, you go have a time of your life. And it was a dance call. You didn't have to go sing or act in the final one. They, they had to dance us all. So I got there, and there were eight of us there, but four for a Bach cover on tour and four for the Fierro cover in Chicago for that production. And I knew two of the other Fierro guys there for Fierro. We all were like, hope you get it. <laughs> yeah. you know? um, and I just decided to have the time of my life, and I did. And they said, okay, everybody's free to go. And I walked over to get my bag, and they said, except Brad. And I was like, oh. And of course, me, typical me, I don't think good news. I was like, did I, did I do something wrong? And he was like, no, we want you. And I was like, what? And he said, but, and this is what a lot of people don't know about replacing someone in big shows. We have to send you to all the costume shops here in the city to make sure that you can fit into Ryan Silverman's costumes who you'd be replacing. And I was like, I'm happy to lose weight. I'm happy to get taller, whatever you need, you know. But they said, look, if you don't hear from us by the end of the day, this is Friday, you'll hear from us on Monday. Well, I didn't hear from them on Friday. I didn't, I, I literally did not sleep all weekend long. I couldn't. Yeah. Um, Monday, right at 12 o'clock noon, I got the phone call that I booked a ticket. And I, I just couldn't believe it. And I kept thinking they made a mistake. They made a mistake. They didn't mean to cast me. They didn't mean to cast me, you know. And she was like, we need you to pack your bags and be ready to leave tomorrow. And I was like, this was December 19th. I remember the date because it changed my life. It literally changed my life. I was like, I'm going home for Christmas to be with my family because I haven't seen them in forever. And they were like, well, we, we really need you out here as soon as possible. I was like, let me call my family and see if they're okay with that. And I called and my mom was like, you tell them that your mama said you need to be home with your family. You can leave the day after Christmas, okay? So I called back and said, well, my mom said, um, she, you know, and they said, okay. And so I left December 26th, flew to Chicago. They put me up for like, I don't know, maybe a, a week. I don't, I don't remember, but I had to find an apartment like that. And like, I kid you not, I had like $76 to my name when I booked the show and um, found an apartment, started rehearsals. And so I started December 26th and January 10th was my first performance in Wicked. And another crazy thing, do you want me to keep, am I talking? No, no. Um, so I, I started the show January 10th. So immediately when I went into the show, we started understudy rehearsals, right? Because I was the understudy for Fiero. First cover. They didn't call it that, but it was the first cover. 
And so I'm like learning Fiero. I've learned it. I have my put in as Fiero and it went great. And I was like, I mean, even just doing the put in was like a dream come true. You know what I mean? In the costume and the rickshaw, like with the sack and like, it's just crazy. Um, and so about, I don't know, this was probably like January 25th or something. They were like, by the way, on February 10th, you're going to have your first performance as Fiero. And I was like, what? Like, I'm freaking out that I was going to play Fiero in Wicked. This was like three years into Wicked being open. It was like, like Hamilton, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm like so pumped. And then about a week before my performance, my stage manager pulled me aside and said, um, I don't want to scare you. Joe Mantello is going to be here the night that you go on. Ooh. And for everybody there, Joe Mantello directed Wicked. Now, the way Broadway shows work, the director's not always there. He directs the original company. His minions come back and keep it clean, and he comes in once a year and says, that was horrible, or this was good. So I was terrified, because I, I'd never even met Joe, but, you know, it's Joe Mantello. And I remember getting in that rickshaw for my entrance that night, thinking that he was out there. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I remember just looking at all the stuff hanging in the fly rails above me. And I went, fuck it. And I, w- I just went out there and I just did. I was like, I am here. Watch me roar. This is who I am. And I felt so good about what I did, you know, but I was terrified because I never even met the man. And we had a note session afterwards. Mm. And so I'm sitting on the floor, you know, and I feel this hard tap on my shoulder. And I was like, ow. And I turn around and it was Joe Mantello. And he goes, get up. I just thought he was going to be like, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> and he hugged me. And he whispered wow. in my ear. It's like you've been playing this role forever. You were amazing. Wow. <laughs> like, talk about going, um, you know, a month and a half ago, I didn't have any money and I was poor to being like Joe Mantello thinking I'm talented. You know, it was just really... It was wild. Now, was he, uh, did he come to see the show? Were there a lot of replacements that had come in? Is that why he was there? Or was he there to see, uh, was he there to see you and then other people? Or or how, how did that? Yeah, so like the show had been open for a little over six months. And so the show opened with Anna Gasteyer and Kate Reinders. They opened the show. And they, I did the show with them for two weeks. And then they left and their replacements came in. So um, he was coming to see what, what the new two witches were like. And, and I was the second ensemble member that had joined. Um, so he wasn't really coming to watch me sing, no one more, so wicked. He didn't care about that. But um, I wasn't playing that that night. I was playing Fierro, you know? Ah, oh, wow. And, and so tell me, what was that like doing Wicked? It was still, today, still is. It's, it's, you know, people think of musical theater that's, one of the first things that comes to mind. What was that like knowing I'm in this huge hit? Uh, and, you know, so what, what was that feeling like being in a show like that? Well, in Chicago, it, I, I was in Chicago for about a year and a half doing the show. And it was literally like a dream. It was my, it was glorious. And, and you weren't under the thumb of, producers in New York constantly like you were out in Chicago and and like all of us had left our families and our our homes in New York and came to Chicago there were a few Chicago natives in the show but um, most of us were from New York and 
so we were all each other had and we were super tight and in fact during the height of the pandemic we had like a whole zoom reunion which was so fun all of us but yeah i i loved every second of it there and i actually took over the role of fiero for a bit there that following december and then i got a MRSA staph infection in my left leg that was so bad um and I did the show. I remember it was a Sunday. I, I did the show. And I was like hobbling around and it hurt. And I just thought it was like a giant cyst on my leg. Like I didn't know. And I soaked in a tub and thought I'm fine. Not that this is not exciting stuff for me to be telling everybody. This is a, it's a big part of it. <laughs> and I, I remember going to bed that night and I woke up the next day and I tried to get out of bed and I fell on the floor. I couldn't walk. Wow. And I didn't know what was wrong. And I looked at my leg and I went to my doctor, who's a dear friend of mine now. And he was like, you have to go check yourself into the hospital. And I was like, why? And, and he said, your skin is so inflamed and I think you have a staph infection. And when I got to the hospital, they were like, how long have you had this? I was like, a few days. And they, I was in the hospital for over a week. They had to, they told me if I had waited another day, I probably would have been dead. It would have been all through it, all of my bloodstream. It was really crazy and fast and wild. But while I'm in the freaking hospital, I get a call from Craig Burns, the casting director of Wicked, going, would you want to maybe come to Broadway and be in the show? And I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, so that, and I was like, yeah. And he said, it's not official yet, but we'll let you know soon. And then like two weeks later, they were like, you're going to Broadway. He's like, wow. Crazy town. Crazy. And so how, so you had just a few weeks until you left the Chicago company to go to New York or... I, I can't, you know, it's funny. I can't really remember, but I think that this was, that was in like March or April. And I think I left in May. Okay. I think I left in May to go join the Broadway company. And this, I think. this is 2007 at this point. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. You're good. I can never like remember from 2005 to about 2011. I'm just a little <laughs> um, wonky. So, so you went to New York, and what, what was was there any you know was there any difference between the Chicago? I mean, it's a different group of people, so I would assume the the whole vibe of everything is very different. What what was that? What's the vibe between that from being in Chicago for a year and a half? Now you're here on Broadway with a completely new company. Were you the only one from the Chicago company? Um, Adam Fleming, they had brought him in before me. And so he had been in the Chicago company. And then he was the first one, I think, to leave, to go to Broadway. They needed him there. Um, So I was the second one. And, of course, you know, I'm still young. I'm 26 at this point, I think, 26. Or maybe I just turned – no, no. I think I joined the Broadway company in April. It was right before my birthday. That's right. So I was 26. Stop it, Taco. It's my cat. He doesn't eat from the fridge, but he scratches the fridge to let us know he's hungry. I love that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was so excited, you know, to make my Broadway debut. And, you know, for anybody listening, I don't want you to be dis- disheartened by anything I say, but I joined a company of people that it was just so different because in Chicago, we were each other's family. And in New York, everybody else has their own families that they go home to. So I joined the company that everybody showed up to just work and leave. And I was like, what? And the Gershwin Theater is disgusting. 
really backstage oh my god there are mice everywhere it's like not glamorous like you think the theater in chicago we were at was like glamour it was gorgeous and beautiful and um and everybody was just shout out to all you old school you know Aussians, but everyone was jaded and over it in new york and and that's it was just disheartening to me you know what i mean because i that's i was so excited but you know even more than that it was incredible to like perform on a broadway stage sure well the first night i took a bow i was like no one can take this away from me no one can take this away from me and i my friends threw me a little party afterwards and i i was so excited but i started to like feel incredibly emotional and i went to the bathroom and i shut the door and i like boohooed and not not in a happy way it wasn't because i was so happy i just i went to this party and then as they're celebrating me i realized that i i had achieved i got to check off that that thing that said broadway and and i looked at my book of life intentions and the rest of it was empty and it really it really um it really messed with me because i thought i just got everything i ever wanted but i never even yearned for anything else right. like nothing and i had to start therapy i kid you not after that wow because it was like this is what i'm talking about like i'm never satisfied like i got what i wanted enjoy it i'm like no nope, what's next that's always me you know i've never thought of that before what you know when you, when you get lucky to achieve that goal that you have wanted forever and then once it happens, what's next? Right. I never even imagined that would go through my head. And this was on your opening night. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was like the whole show was amazing. I did it. I go to the party. And all of a sudden I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And then I just, and I don't even think at the moment I realized that that was it. But I was like, why am I sad? Why am I feeling sad? Um. And it really, it, it took a toll on me for a few years, to be completely really? honest. And even as I hopped from show to show to this and that, because I just had never, I never wanted anything else. And so I was happy to be a work, so happy to be a working actor, but I kept thinking like, this is it. Like, I'm just going to put on clothes. Like every day my job is to go to work, take off my clothes and constantly change my clothes into other people's clothes and pretend I'm other people. And that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. You know, isn't there more to life than that? Um, and so, yeah, so that, that just began, it was kind of my opening night on Broadway was kind of a turning point in my sure. life. Um, yeah. So, and how, how, how long were you with the company? Did, did that night make you, I mean, I know you have the contract, but it, did, did, did you know you didn't want to stay perhaps with Wicked for a while after that? Or how long were you with uh, the Wicked company on Broadway? Um, I, I was with Wicked for a little over a year, maybe a year, almost a year and a half, I think. Um, I, I was so happy to be on Broadway and I loved it there. I loved being in New York and everything, but it wasn't as fun having eyes on you constantly. Sure especially as someone who, you know, I'm not naturally a thin human being. And so I had to fight often in my career to be skinny for people. Um, and that's just not me. And so, you know, Paul Doby, if you're listening, um, he was, 
he's no longer with Wicked, but he like came up to me like right before Curtain and was like, you were great the other night at Sviero, but you really need to drop some weight and turned around and walked away. It was like things like that, that like I couldn't, like right before my curtain, you're going to tell me something like that. And I wasn't even like, Josh, I wasn't even like heavy. You know what I mean? It was, it was crazy, but like they, and they just, you know, I did Wicked in New York with Annalie Ashford. I don't know if you know who she is. Oh, I, yeah, like, absolutely. The best. And I love her, but we, they kept, we kept having rehearsals where they were changing the show and fixing the show. And in the middle of this rehearsal, her mic was on. She was like, do you think that we'll finally win the Tony now? Because we know <laughs> it's like they're always still trying to win the Tony, but it's not happening. Like, just let it. Be. It is. It's a success. Relax. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't always an enjoyable place to work in the Broadway company because of the management. To be completely honest. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, can I ask who uh, some of the the uh, company members throughout your run with Wicked who was there with you? And uh, yeah. Um, let's see. You mean like the main folks? Sure. Or just any, anybody. anybody. Um, well, I met my husband doing Wicked. Nice. Anthony Galdi. He was in the Broadway company for eight years and he played Fierro, the wizard, Dr. Dilliman and six other ensemble guys. Um, I mean, I did the show with Anna Gasteyer, Kate Reinders, Christy Cates, um, D. Rossioli, Aaron Mackey, Julia Murney. Uh, Sebastian Arcellus, Stephanie Block, um, Annalie Ashford, Kendra Kassebaum, um Carrie Ellis from London. We have the same birthday. Um, I mean, just so, you know, um, Jane Howdyshell, um, Rondi Reed, um, Gene Wygant. I mean, just so many people. Yeah, and now a lot of were- these folks are legends of the, the Broadway Tony winners, baby. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Stephanie, Lee, Rondi, like all of them. And then all of Jane. their uh, – who was the wizard when you were there? I I tried to do some research, but I couldn't find the, who the actual wizard was during your block of time, the early – mid-2000s. Oh, my God. Look at that light flickering back there. Yeah. Remember I said, like, I don't take, like, light flickering to mean anything. <laughs> Maybe that's, like, the ghost. And that's, yeah. like, David Stone, the producer of Wicked Skull. Like, ah, I hear what you're saying about me. <laughs> Um, I can't remember. Isn't that awful? I can't remember who. Gene Wygant in, was in Chicago, but mm-hmm. on Broadway, David Garrison, maybe. Okay, I don't know if I, I don't even know if I did it with him. To be completely honest, um, I don't know. That's fair. That's fair. I'm sorry. Sorry, dude, that played the wizard. <laughs> uh, now. Working, at, you said so. The actual building itself was not a very <laughs> building. Uh, move when you went on to your next show. Did you just have this state of mind, like, oh, this is what all Broadway theaters are like? You know, the houses are just absolutely just disgusting. Um. Well, you know, they make it look really good in the theater, of course. But it's just, you know, it's just backstage. They're old, and that's the thing. You can't you can't fault them completely because it's not like they don't clean it or anything, but. It's old. There are rodents everywhere. I mean, we had like these um, things that went kind of an X shape across the the ceiling where they were hanging like wet costumes to dry. And in the middle of the show, we'd be like, there he is. And there'd be a mouse like running across the top of the thing. And you would find like mouse droppings at your spot. And like, you know, it's just an old, 
building. Yeah. Um, I didn't really think about that so much because I'll take that to be on Broadway. Fine. Sure. Um, but, you know, I what happened was I had. What? Did, oh, I, I got an audition. I got an agent, actually. Shout out to Craig Burns, who cast me in Wicked, got me my first agent. He's just was always so lovely to me in my career. Um, and my agent was like, listen, I just got, I just got a call. They're doing this new show called Memphis. I think it's about a cowboy. You're the countryest person I know on Broadway. You have to go in the auditions tomorrow and like sent me the stuff. And I was like, okay. But as I started reading it, I was like, I don't think he's a cowboy. Um, and the first line I read in the sides was like, Felicia says to Huey, uh, um, Oh, you like, uh, you don't like DuPont beer or something like that. And he goes, oh, to, uh, to tell you the truth, DuPont beer tastes kind of like pee. And when I read that line, I was like, I know this guy. And then when I heard the music, I was like, um, this was written for me. Like vocally, this was written for me. So I went into that audition and they wanted to, they wanted you to bring your own song. And I was like, no, I'm singing your song today because I had done it and I learned it. And I, I, so I booked uh, the out-of-town tryout in La Jolla for, for Memphis. Okay. And, and so I went, and it was, it was a three-month out-of-town tryout, which was great. It was working with Christopher Ashley was like an incredible dream, and I love him. Because he really let us play a lot, you know, and figure out what we, you know, a lot of what you see is what we came up with. Nice. I, if we watched it together, I could be like, I came up with that part, you know. It's just fun to see that. But, um. I went to them and said, you know, I'd like to request a leave so I could go do the show because they let other people go do the show. Sure. And she was like, we've decided that we're not giving the kids leaves anymore. The kids. I'm a grown ass man, first of all. Um, we're not going to give them anymore. She And so I, right in my back pocket, I pulled out my letter and I was like, then I'm leaving. And her eyes got huge. Um, but I decided, look. Leap, take a leap. You booked this new show. You've always wanted to work at the La Jolla Playhouse. Who doesn't want to go be in San Diego for a few months to work on something brand new? And who knows if it'll go anywhere? But I knew I wasn't really, really happy in the cast. And so I also wasn't happy in my personal life. So I just wanted to go away. Sure. You know, at that time. And um, oh, I'm so glad I did. And it, it just I would I, I would assume it's like a like a fresh start, you know, after being for so long and now getting to do something brand new, and getting to actually be creative, which is what you want to yes, do as an actor. When you when you're in the big green machine or any other kind of big commercialized musical, you know, if you if your arm goes here, they'll give you a note tell you it should be here. It's stuff wow. like that that drives. So it's very out. nitpicky. Yeah, or if or if you if you're playing a role and you decide to say your line like a new and refreshing way. No, 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 that's not how we do it. And I can't stand that because I'm an actor and every night interpret it differently. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's taking away half of the the job of an actor. Um, Yeah. So So I knew going to do Memphis that we were, I was going to be able to, my creative input mattered. I love that. That's, that just makes me so happy because that's what it's about. And uh, it is. Now you played some great roles in Memphis. Uh, did you, um, did your characters change at all from the out of town until, did you do all of the out of towns or did you just, yeah. Okay. So did your roles change at all from, uh, the, to the, what was now the final product? Um, the only thing that changed 
so you've seen the the movie that we did from Broadway, the live, I, I, the live. I, yeah, from Broadway. I have seen it. Yes. Um. So. I think the so I had torn my meniscus doing the show and I was normally in the, sh- the song Everybody Wants to Be Black on a Saturday night. Uh-huh. I was like one of the guys on the phones. But in, in the film version, I wasn't able to do that because it was really heavy dancing. But so you didn't get to see that part of what I did. But I think the only thing that changed from me being out of town to going to New York was um, I was the big tumbler in the show out of town. Mm-hmm. Really, only two of us male ensemble that danced white male ensemble. Not to be racial, but it was black and it was white. That's what it's about. Um, and so when we came to New York, they added more ensemble and they took the tumbling away from me, which was excellent because I was ready to live. <laughs> and uh, so, when how long were you with the show? Were you with it from opening to closing? No, I was with it from out of town to about a year. Clearly, I can only do a show for about a year and a half because I can't stay more than that. But it was about three years total. And, you know, personally, I was going through a lot of difficult things during that time. But professionally, it was just one of the best, one of the best things I've ever been involved with. I, um, you, I, 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 so I saw it in New York and I saw it. I saw it with the original company in New York. Um, well, then you saw me. I did. That's that. Yeah. Uh, so I saw it in New York and then a few years or however long I saw it you know, at, at a movie theater, some random. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is cool. I just saw this not too long ago. Uh, and just from, I don't, you know, I don't know these people, uh, but I would assume, you know, the, the cast looked like a, a lot of great people. And is that, can, can you comment on that? Uh, How real do you want me to be? <laughs> I want you to be real. I, this is, you know, I, like I said, I don't know these people. Uh, you know, I, I, the only one I've met on a few occasions was, uh, Mr. Chad Kimball. Um, but, uh, you know. Well, look, I can only say Chad's always been incredibly lovely to me. So, gotcha. um, it, it was, it was a phenomenal cast. And, you know, I was kind of like, I was like one of the OGs cause I started out of town. So I, it felt like, like I had a purpose and a place in this cast and like, I had a voice that mattered because I'd been there a long time. And I, I, I like that kind of position because I'm not afraid to speak up for people that don't have a voice, you know. Um, you know, when things go awry, which they always do here and there with morale and things like that. But honestly, it was, an, it was a phenomenal group of people. It, I, I, uh, I, don't, I don't want to say too much, but I, I had a hard time going on with the leading lady because – she liked things a very specific way. And I didn't play the role like Chad. I played the role the way Brad played the role. And sometimes, sometimes you find that your other actors are so like step, like going on with Stephanie Block and Wicked. She loved going on with me because she and I would just connect and go and play. And I, I, that's what I do theater for not to repeat the thing the same way. every night. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, I didn't, I had an, we had an issue with that at some point and it was resolved, you know, but I look, if you're not going to get on stage and play with me, then I don't really want to be your playmate. Sure. You know what I mean? It makes 100% sense. Yeah. It is called a play. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, and, and I have no hard feelings towards anybody. It just wasn't as enjoyable sure. as I wish it could have um, been some of those. Times. Gotcha. But you know, that was, you know, I watched the movie 
over and over again. It's phenomenal cast. Everyone's so flipping talented. And now there are Tony winners that were once in that show that are now winning the Tonys. I know. So did you, I know you understudied Huey. Did you understand yeah. anyone else? Um, I'm trying to think of the other, like oh. uh, Mr. Simmons, was that his name? With- yes. I under. Uh, wait, I think Mr. Simmons. I understudied every role in the show except the owner of the radio. And that's, who was that? What's, what was his name? I'm sorry, Mr. Um, who's Mr. Simmons? Uh, Michael uh, McGraw, that, I know the actor. Yes. Okay, I didn't understudy him, but every but every other white role I did. Really, they built my track. This is not even a joke. They built my track so I could do my track with all of my acting parts, and every other white acting part in the show. They would just put an, uh, a swing dancer in my track, so I would play. If you very few times this happened, I play. I'm sorry, I can't remember all the names, but I played every other wh- white role in the show. Uh huh. So like. The guy that's like, I'd like to help you out, Miss Felicia Farrell. And, and the country guy on the radio station, like, I played all of them. Yeah. And Perry Como and Frank Dreyer, you know, like, all of them. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting that they had you off except for one role. Was there a reason yeah, why? I, I, couldn't, I couldn't understudy that role and everything else. I think they would have had to pay me like a... Gotcha. Gotcha. And I was, I think, a little too young for that role, but I understudied the father and the older guy in the right. show, so who knows. Uh, and so how many times did you get to play Huey? Do you know? I have no idea. But quite a few, but it's, I, I will say this, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah, I've, I've, I, after watching Chad do it, uh, I saw him on Broadway do it, and then I saw the video. I could just, I couldn't imagine that. It's such a difficult thing. He's on stage almost the entire show, and it, the songs are just, Ooh, it's like a workout. And he's smoking and he's yeah. smoking and running around and like jumping up on things. And, yeah. And uh, no, it, it was the first time I went on, I, I didn't have a proper put in. Okay. So for anybody that doesn't know what a put in is, if you're understudy a role, you usually have a performance where everyone comes to the theater, you put on your costumes and mics, they just wear mics and then you run through the show so you can see what it's like. Well, my put in, I'd done plenty of understudy rehearsals, but there are lots of stairs in the show. And Huey enters, he walks in and walks down the stairs. And I kid you not, first time I'm going on, I'm like in my clothes. I like lit my cigarette. I'm backstage. Right before I open the door, I realize, oh my God, you've never been on these stairs ever in your life, ever. Because white people weren't ever in the juke joint. So we never even got the white cast members walked on those stairs. And I never got to do them in my hood in rehearsal. So it was it was a little bit terrifying. It's so like a dream, right? Because you get out there and you're like, how are these words coming out of my mouth? How do I know what I'm doing? What is happening? And then suddenly, you know, understudy rehearsal, there's like seven or eight of you there. And then suddenly I'm in this Beale Street juke joint and all these people are looking at me, watching me do it for the first time too. It was incredibly surreal and at intermission, you know, it's a very intense end of act one and the curtain came down and I just collapsed and cried. <laughs> I was like, oh, I did it, I did it. It was so emotional. It was hard without having a lot of time to like, I didn't even know what I was wearing. They would shove me off stage, drink water, put on my clothes and shove me back out. Wow. Yeah. 
So after Memphis, you were in one of my favorite Broadway musicals, Jersey Boys. Who did you play in Jersey Boys? I was a swing. Okay. So there were seven, there are 10 guys in the show, 10 males in the show, and I understudied seven of them. Huh. Whew. What was that like? <laughs> I cried for six months straight. <laughs> well, I literally got myself that job. I emailed the casting director and said, I really want to be a swing. I want to do something different. I want something, you know. And it was, it was really, it was a very difficult gig. And the person, the PSM of that show um, was not happy to have to teach me all of these tracks and didn't make my life very easy. So I really struggled for about six months to find my way in that show. But I tell you, I had never seen Jersey Boys when I booked it. But I remember the first time I saw it and I just, I like wept because I was like, this is so good and I can't believe I get to be in it. I like couldn't believe it. Um, so I, I really did. I had a lot of struggles with the stage manager in that show. Um, you know, it's hard when you feel like someone's just against you and you haven't even done anything. You well, know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. But um, but it ended up, I ended up after about six months really settling in, but I only did it for about a year. Okay. Uh, did you get to play all seven of those roles? Six of the seven. Oh, yeah. who, who did you not? Uh, who, I didn't get to play. Um, God, why am I horrible with names? Today? So it's Frankie, Bob, Nick, and uh, Tommy. The, Tom, Tommy. Tommy. Yeah. So I didn't get to play Tommy, and that's the one uh, role I wanted to play. Yeah, I can just. But I. What a good Tommy. I understand Bob Gaudio, Bob Crew. Um, Bob Gaudio, Bob Crew, and Tommy, and then four ensemble guys. Okay. And yeah. It's it's such a good show. I've I've seen it once. So and, you know, it's just such a. It's one of the you know jukebox musicals are something I always enjoy going to see because that energy and going to see that kind of show compared to when you go to see, I don't know, uh, cats is, you know, obviously it's going to be very different, but any other show, uh, it's just, you know, it's pure joy. Cause they know they're good. They know the music. They, you know, it's just, I love that. And it's just beautifully constructed that show. I mean, it is the perfect jukebox musical way better than mama Mia, way better than any of the other ones that I've seen. Honestly, it's so good. It is because takes real actors to pull these roles off. Right. Yeah. And you know they filmed a new version of it, right? Yeah, I saw that on uh, on Facebook. Someone had shared it that there were Nick Jonas is in it and uh, a few people My buddy Matt Matt Bogart is playing his role. Okay. I love him. Uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. I thought it was interesting that they and this is the they're doing the full stage version, I assume, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, cuz I know the movie's not that that old. Uh, no, and the movie wasn't great. I saw it, and I, I didn't, I, I didn't enjoy the the film. I oh, there's David Stone calling for me again. Um, uh, no, it just the movie. The thing about the show is it, it was intense. It was fast paced. It was quick, and the movie was like slow and like yeah. I didn't love the movie. I mean, I thought the performances were lovely. I blame Clint Eastwood. That's who I blame. It felt like I was watching Clint Eastwood walk because everything was just taken very yes. slowly and it just dragged. And, but you, if you knew the story, you was like, oh, this, this is going to happen now. But right. now it's just going to take a lot longer. Yeah, yeah. 
So that's mm. uh, so after Jersey Boys, is this when you became a teacher? So you're a teacher now. Uh, what, yeah. what do you teach? Um, I teach creative writing. I teach American Lit, and I'm the theater theater director where I teach. Nice. So, what made you want to jump from being in uh, in on, on the Broadway to in the classroom? Have you ever thought about teaching before you decided to do that? Or um... yeah, so all through my Broadway career, I I worked with a lot of different uh, booking agents and groups like. Uh, these agents would like book groups to New York. And so they would hire people from the Broadway show to come meet these groups, teach them part of the dance, do a Q&A with them. And I loved doing it. And in fact, they like sent me to California to host an event. Um, Broadway Classroom did. And I just loved it. Um, and I never wanted to be a teacher. But I started to realize like I love people. I mean, I always knew I love people. But I love being around people and like teaching them things and making new friends and um, so I had been doing that with every show that I had done, which was a total pleasure. But when Jersey Boys, when I, when I knew I was done, I had been, my husband and I had been planning to move to Atlanta because his best friend was here um, and she, they were starting their own, their own TV show on PBS and my husband was going to direct episodes. Um, and so we were planning to move to Atlanta and I happened to go back to my hometown, Danville, Virginia, and I did a master class there at this theater group that was there and the head of the university of the town, Jackie Finney from Avert university came to sit in on my master class. Now cut to when I was 18, Jackie Finney begged for me to come to Avert and said, I'll give you a full ride. And I was like, I don't want to go here. Um, I was so <clears throat> ignorant back then, but I just knew I wanted to be in New York. Anyway, he said, I'd like to have a meeting with you. And I said, sure. And I went and met with him. And he said, I want you to come do some workshops for my students here. And I said, how about this? If you put me through college, because I had never gotten a degree. Mm -hmm. If you put me through school and get me my bachelor's degree, I'll do anything you want me to do. And he said, let me see what I can do. And two weeks later, he offered me a job as the artist in residence at Avery University. And I started college and I started teaching college students at the same time. How, how did that work? Were you taking classes or did you get a lot of stuff waived because of your experience? Or, Well, that's, that's a good question. No, but I had to take like algebra and like, again, math's not my gig, right? Yeah. Um, I, I had to take all my prerequisites except for a few things. And so I got to make a professional portfolio. Mm -hmm. I, not I got to. They asked me to make a professional portfolio my last year of school so I could waive some of the credits that I would have had to have gotten. Sure. But, you know, it's funny. They were like, you know, we need playbills from the show that you were in. We need, you know, we need to know everything that you've done. And I mean – Something you don't know about me, Josh, is like when I do it, I do it. And then I just move along. And I guess that's like I check off my thing and I go to the next thing. You know, I don't really dwell. And so like I realized like I didn't even have a playbill from a Broadway show. I was <laughs> wow. So I had to like get on Facebook and ask people if they had copies and and like, you know, Google myself, which is something I don't ever want to do. And I'd forgotten like the male ensemble of Memphis had been nominated for an Astaire award. Like, wow, I'm an Astaire award nominee. Like what? 
Um, but things like that, that I had to recall after all these years and, um, yeah, I ended up graduating and, and I knew that I wanted to go, actually, that's not true. The university said, we really need you to get a master's degree to teach here full time. And I was like, I don't want to go to more school. But then I found this perfect school that was in, uh, the same grouping or class system of collegiate places. I just said that very poorly, but they basically I got tuition exchange with the school and I ended up getting my master's degree in creative writing with a focus in libretto from Goddard College. Okay. So I, I did that while I was teaching there. And then um, I happened this job at the Weber School fell into my lap and I finally got to come back to Atlanta and be with my husband and son full time. Right. Uh, now, would you like would you go back to the school or are, are you very like do you not like that style of teaching or? You mean what? What style of teaching? Uh, being at the like a, um, I would assume it's a, a professor. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would love to be a professor, but I, um, academia in general can be very snooty, and like, I'm just not snooty, and I don't, I don't know why we have to act like we have to wear ties all the time and wrap ourselves up and carry our little books. Sure. Like we are all just people yeah. trying to create. And learn and grow. Um, I would love to go be a professor at a place that the students were truly, truly passionate about what they do. I was very, I worked at a university that had a lot of talented students, but it wasn't a theater school um, per se. And I, it took me about two or three years to realize that you cannot instill passion into other people. You know, you just can't do that. And so I struggle with that even now at, at teaching high school. I never wanted to teach American literature. Are you kidding? Um, but I even still like teaching my creative writing courses. I love, but my first day of class last year, this girl goes, I hate writing. I was like, yeah. you took the wrong class, boo. Yeah. Like you took the wrong class. That, but that's something that's, you know, I, as a young educator, I teach, I now teach middle school, uh, middle school okay. theater. So, you know, some of my favorite ages, though, that's like some of my favorite. Uh, absolutely. That's why I, you know, for years, I was like, no, I want to teach high school. And I did teach high school. And I was like, oh, I like middle school better. They're uh, a little easier to work with. Uh, but these kids are just so honest, you know, I, on just telling kids telling me, oh, I don't I didn't even sign up for this class. It's like, yeah, well, you're here now. So sorry, <laughs> can't really do much for you. Um, but so, so have you ever thought it, would you teach uh, full theater classes? Have you, have you ever had an opportunity to do that? Oh yeah. Yeah. But the, the unfortunate thing at the, at my school now is that the theater department is all after school. So like, I don't teach drama classes there, which is, that's why I'm, I don't want to say stuck teaching Amlet, but mm -hmm. they, they needed me there. I have the credentials. So like, why not teach it? And they pay me really well at this job. It's, it's a real blessing, but I, I mean, I teach at Orbit Arts Academy. I, I teach a few dance classes. I, I choreograph for the different companies that we have. I teach college prep there. I do a lot of college prep work with students that want to major in musical theater. So I help them get everything together from their, you know, their recommendations to their essays to picking out their package to audition for colleges. Mm -hmm. That's that's what we do what we do and what I do. And, um, we have some incredible students that are going to incredible places all over. And I'm so proud of what we're doing there as well. I love that. I absolutely love yeah. that. Uh, now are you back, you're back in school now, right? 
Is this yeah? Teacher, is it your teacher work week? Is that yeah? It's our pre-planning week, and then Friday is like let's spend twenty minutes in each class, and then we start on Monday. Okay, that's I'm in the same exact uh, boat, but I have I'm dreading it. planning <laughs> next week. Uh, have the big countywide meeting on on Friday with every single teacher in the county all getting oh. together and doing uh, you know group learning, building exercises. Um, you know, even as a person who studied theater done it for a long time i don't like getting you know i hate icebreakers i hate that stuff How do I? Um, and, so and, I. and i tell people that when well, you study drama it's like yeah well that's different i don't you know have to do it an icebreaker uh, i know i'm i'm an actor i want to act right let's act together. very different i want to zip zap zap with you <laughs> exactly yeah. Uh, so to wind down the podcast, I always ask uh, my guest a few questions. I call them the RQRs, which is the random question round. Um, oh, I love it! And so my dogs are like running around like crazy. So I'm so sorry. No, I I love it. As you said earlier, it's a sign that you know we're we're just humans and we're just That's you it. know living life. Um. So one, what is your favorite grade to teach? Ooh. I really love Oh, that's so hard. I love I love really passionate high school kids that want to do musical theater. I love that cuz they're on the precipice of something great. But I also love the 10 to 12 range. I just love cuz they're they think they're cool, but they're not quite cool and they're not they're not afraid to be a kid and they'll take chances and yeah. And so I think probably the 10 to 12 age. Okay. Um, what is the most challenging class you've ever taught? And this, most does, chal- this does not mean most challenging students. Okay. Uh, that you know might have given you a hard time about being in your class. I'm talking overall class. Um, I think the I think the most challenging class I've ever taught is the one I'm going to start teaching on Monday, American Lit. What do you what do you because, in it this year? Well, we we don't we're not using a textbook. It's very um, it's it's really a lot about diversity and what diversity looks like in America, which I love and I think I is that. very important. Absolutely, but I want to be I want to be a student in that yeah. class. <laughs> I, I'm kind of approaching it like I am a student, and I'm going to tell my students that like I've never taught this before. I, I'm going to be teaching you, but we're going to be learning together. That's the way I'm going to approach it because I've never taught American Lit. And and um, the teachers I'm teaching it with are just brilliant. So I am like riding their coattails going into it. But I can't say that I'm not like a bit terrified by it just because I've never done it. So I would say that. And, you know, I, I'm getting an epidural in my spine tomorrow, which is always really fun. So although I love to choreograph Teaching dancing is becoming really difficult for me because my body is kind of wrecked. Right. Okay. My L five S one is a mess, and I'm it's my second epidural, and I'll probably end up having that back surgery. Thank you, Broadway. Thank you, Broadway. Yeah. Um, now here are some performance questions for you. Uh, have you ever, you know, you're from Virginia? Have you ever done a show professionally here in Virginia? Um. No. Would you ever consider doing a show? Like, you know, the DC theater community is a very up and, I mean, it's been here forever, but it's very, it's growing and becoming very big. A lot of added. Absolutely. 
I would totally do it. Yeah, if it was the right thing, absolutely. Sure. Um, now that's uh, so. The next one's a two-parter. Um, okay. Is are, are there projects out there that you're interested in when it comes to acting, or is this have you kind of walked away from that uh, part of your life and you're now a, an educator? Well, I I am an educator, but I I write musical theater, so I'm yeah. Oh, in fact, that's right. You have a musical. Yes, this yes. I, I didn't even plan this. That's I, so funny. I used to get I, when you would post about it on Facebook. I would always read it, and you know, if you had like a a, a bit of it, I would listen or whatever. And I just, I I can't wait for that. Has it been fully produced at all? It. it I mean, we've been up for all different kinds of things we've submitted for, but we we were finalists. In fact, before I moved to Atlanta, we were finalists in the Atlanta Musical Theater Festival. Um, but then right after that, COVID hit. So it was like, okay, but um, in the middle of COVID, my writing partner and I wrote a musical called A Million Pieces that's set in a grief group. Um, and it's got eight characters that play a total of 23 of them. And I'm currently working on a show called The Infinity Symbol with my friend, Carrie, my writing partner, and my other writing partner, Justin Hall, who I met at Avert University. He was the costume designer. And so... He's in Virginia. I'm in Atlanta. She's in New Jersey. We're working on this project, which is a really cool project that I'll tell you about if you want to hear. Um, I would. And then <laughs> I were, um, Mary and I wrote the music and lyrics for a short film called Gretel and Hansel that has won a zillion, like, it was this thing that we wrote in three days. And it's like won all of the, I won a global musical award last year. I, congratulations. I love that. I, I, what is that? I don't even know what that is. Sorry, my cat. It's all right. Um, and and um, Carrie and I just decided, and we've been commissioned to musicalize the Velveteen Rabbit. Oh, that's that's exciting. That's- yeah, you know, and we're going to produce it at Orbit actually. So that's going to be really exciting. It's very new. We're starting work on it next week, so we haven't even started yet. Well, I can't wait to. You know, hopefully something makes its way out here or I'll travel, you know. Look, I'm going to keep writing until it gets produced somewhere, somehow, some way. Have you written any plays? No, but I have a lot of ideas for plays. I have a lot of ideas for screenplays. I I have a lot of ideas, but I just need I need someone to fund me in life so I can just write. Yes. Okay. Yes. Not that I don't love my job at the Weber School, but I just want someone to give me cash so I can live and be a writer. (laughs) I love it. Um, out of uh, well, not I don't even want to say current shows that are and not just on Broadway, but is there a show if you got a call with an offer, any show you want with any role you want, what would it be, and would you accept it? Oh yeah, because you had said like, is there anything out there that you'd want to do? I didn't even answer that. Yes, yes, there there is. There's one role I want to play, and I have to play him soon, and that's George in Sunday in the Park with George. Oh, I. My cat. You see? I, yeah, I did, I did see that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is that role. Um, it scares me, and that's why I want to do it. It's it's a great role. Um, it's a brilliant. It's also show. an it's iconic piece of theater. Yeah. Uh, is there any other role that you know you're waiting for it to play um, in a few years that you would think? I really want to play Barry in the prom. You know the tour is coming up. I, are you, 
can you can you go be in the tour? I'll buy every ticket. Yeah. I mean, I'm look, can they cast me? Let's do it. Um, <laughs> it is like I feel like I was born to play that. Uh-huh. Part. I saw it. I was like, did you see it in it in Atlanta? Because I know it premiered in Atlanta. I saw it in New York. Yeah, it did premiere here. But I saw it in New York twice. I mean, I loved it. It was so it was much, and I loved the movie too. I thought it was fabulous. The movie was I loved good. it. Yeah. Uh, um. I w- yeah. So Barry, um, George. And I can, I'm just going to throw something at this cat. Sure. So. Stop. Okay. I do that with my <laughs> dog earlier. Uh. <laughs> um, uh, I can tell you roles that I missed out on. Okay. Play. Like, my dream role was always Joe Gillis in Sunset Boulevard. I'm too old. Um, I My dream was to always be in Rent. Um, and I was up for rent three times, made it down to the end three times, and I never got the job. I finally told them, don't ever call me again, because they just would not give me the job. And it used to be the Mark Roger cover. Uh-huh. Um, Les Mis, Les Miserables was the show that started it all for me. And I was in I was in the middle of auditioning for the tour for that when I got Jersey Boys. Okay. So I didn't go to my final callback for that because I booked Jersey yeah. Boys on Broadway. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I would really love I was um, I went on a cruise a few years ago and then got off the cruise and Rachel Hoffman from Bernard Tells you was like hey Brad you have a final callback for Come From Away uh, for the national tour and I was like I haven't done this in years but I went to the final callback and made it all the way to the end but I didn't get it you know I, that's a show I would like to do. If they called and said, "Would you come do it?" I would jump. Who on. would you? Uh, who can I ask who you were? Who they had? It was like I'm terrible, terrible with names, but it was the the Gander Police guy that was like, "Oh whoop, yeah, yeah." The hat and the glasses. Mm-hmm. That's the role I was up for. That's uh, a good show. I saw it actually in DC. I saw it on. I think it was. I saw it on 9/11. Oh my gosh! Um, and I sat behind uh, quite a few of the people from Gander and. Uh, Oh wow! Chris Ashley wasn't far from me either, and the, I was with a friend, and I said, "That's that's the director." Like, how do you know that? I was like, "Doesn't matter how I know that. I just know who that is." Uh, but love, I I anybody that gets to work with him, I think is so lucky. He he is like the fact that he didn't win for Memphis really upset me because he, if you watch the direction and flow of that show, it's so beautiful. But when he won for Come From Away, I was I like cried because he. Not only did he like pick me for Memphis, he was so kind to me. He gave me all those bit parts. And and he, at the end of rehearsal every day, he would sit the entire company around and would be like, does anyone have questions? Brad? Josh? And he would acknowledge every person in the room and let them speak about questions or concerns every day. Now that is a pro and someone that's not using their ego to make this Yes, happen. You know what I'm saying? That's, and that's, what a... What a great thing. I wish everyone was like that. Everyone needs to be like Chris Ashley. He's taught me a lot of things about how to be a director, which is awesome. I love that. Um, I got one more question for you, and it's an educational kind of question. If you could co-teach a theater class with a performing arts legend, it could be Broadway, it could be regional, someone in your past, who would it be? If I could co-teach... With a Broadway legend. Um, oh my God, there's so many. That is so difficult. Go ahead, hit me with whoever, all of them. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes. I mean, I just want to be with Liza Minnelli all the time. Um, Liza Minnelli um, and... Oh, God. That's a really, really difficult one. Um, I would say... Oh, my God. Liza, let's stick with that. Because they're just so... I mean, if I if I wasn't wasting your time here, I would. Take no, time. no, no. This is I I I can't express to you how happy I was when you said, "Yeah, I'll be on your podcast." Oh my god! Of course, um, of course, I would be. Uh, and you know, tagging on that question, I'm sure you've worked with uh, who are now Broadway legends, who are you know, and I'm sure just being in the in the Broadway, you got to know uh, quite a few that are still legends and that were legends. And I guess will always be legends. Um, <laughs> That's what a legend is. I suppose. <laughs> uh, let's see. Closing. Um, thank you. Thank you oh so God. much. Thanks for taking the time out of your, uh, of your day to, you know, do this after being in school and, you know, talking to me for, for this time. And, you know, I loved it from, from one Virginia guy to another. Thank you. We got to stick together. Yes. You know? Do you ever come to Virginia? I mean, we're, I I'm very far from Danville, but. Uh... Yeah, I do. I'll let you know if I'm ever headed up that way. Absolutely, I mean, please. I've been traveled a whole lot during COVID. Right. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I definitely do. Absolutely. But so, Brad, thank you. It's been You're such welcome. a pleasure getting to, getting to know you, getting to talk to you. And thank you so much. It's been my pleasure, too. Thank you, Josh. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Somewhat Happy Hour. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. The drinks are over and we hope that you know. If you're feeling down, just join the past. It's the Somewhat Happy Hour with Josh Best.